Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades Podcast, episode 321. Hey, 321, baby. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And at long last, why did this take me so long? We're doing an episode about sex. Finally, anyone who knows me knows I love this topic. Why aren't we talking about it on the air? Why don't we talk about it culturally more? Why aren't we comparing notes? Why aren't we sharing stories? I don't know. But that changes now because my guest on this week's episode is Dr. Sam Rakshit, who is the founder and CEO of Mystery Vibe. Now, Mystery Vibe is this super cool company. It's pairing high tech with sexiness. It's sort of an ad hoc marriage counselor in a lot of ways. The content on the site is remarkable from a number of different angles. One, Sam comes out of defense and comes out of biometrics. So he was doing like eye recognition technology, working with optometrists on like facial recognition software 20 years ago. No one was into that. Now we all use it all the time. My phone looks at my face. It logs me into my bank. That's terrifying. If you told me that 20 years ago, I would have run screaming into the night. Now it's just sort of commonplace. So he took what he learned there and basically he's working on a different part of the body. So instead of the eye, ah, let's go downstairs just a little bit. Secondly, These products are remarkable looking, and Som talks about the tech behind them. One of the products has like six different motors in it that you can program to do different rhythms to achieve ultimate arousal and stimulation. How badass is that? That's incredible. And third, Som talks extensively about people recovering from life changes. So whether that's having a child or menopause or surgery or depression, diabetes, That can all inhibit sexual health. So how do you help people deal with this? And additionally, something that probably any couple in the entire world can relate to is how do you spice up your marriage? How do you keep it interesting? How do you add an element of play, an element of fun, an element of joy? You know what? Pick up something from Mystery Vibe. I'll bet that conversation evolves in a really fun and interesting way. And we talk about all of those elements in this episode. And the thing I love about Psalm here is Psalm is very frank, but also just full of good cheer and good humor. We're talking about sex for the love of God. We shouldn't have to be deadly serious when we talk about it. It's something that's fun. It's something that should be playful. And Psalm exudes that. And I ask him, hey, man, do you ever get burned out talking about sex? Because, I mean, I I compare it to, like, record store guys. Like, have you ever gone into a record store where you go, man, these guys, like, hate music? Or, like, you get that from, like, Star Wars fans. Where it's like, do you even like this thing that you spend all your time thinking about? And clearly he does, because part of running a business means you're doing so much administrative work, you don't get to do the thing you love as much as you might like. So we spend some time talking about that. And yes, this episode, I'm going to put the warning right here, is very frank in its discussion. We talk pretty explicitly about sex. So expect frank discussions about body parts, about arousal, about orgasm. You'll hear the word cock ring in here. This is the first time I ever used the C word. He's in London because we end up talking about, brace yourself for this, fuckerware parties. And I talk about that in the context of 
how my wife used to work for an MLM where she would host these like sex toy parties where you show up with this big bin of stuff. Women get together. It's almost always women. They get to order stuff and then it gets shipped to them. In London, they just call them fuckerware parties. And I go, you know, in many ways, I really appreciate the bluntness of the British in that way. So gird your loins, gird your ears, because we're talking about sex. We're talking about entrepreneurship. We're talking about science. It's phenomenal. I love this show. This was a really, really fun one to do. Now, that's all just right around the corner. But first, Sam gives a plug for Mystery Vibe. It's mysteryvibe.com. You can find that on the website. That's johnofalltrades.us, J-O-N of alltrades.us. That'll be in the companion blog piece that runs with this. Additionally, it'll be in the show notes. So no matter what podcatcher you're listening on, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Audible, Amazon, I'm on all of them. Check out the links there. And while you're there, if you'd do me a favor, leave us a rating, leave us a review. That takes just a few seconds, helps the visibility, does wonderful things for us, and doesn't take very much effort from you. Additionally, hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes will come directly to you. And with this show, you get so much content. Last week, talked to Rocky's broadcaster, Jenny Kavnar. So we were talking about baseball in that one. Before that, talked to Andrew Novick about art about the sale of Casa Bonita. Before that, talked to Matt Whitesides. We talked about punk rock. You get a little bit of everything on this show. That's why I'm called John of All Trades. But this week, I've got Dr. Sam Rockshit. He is the founder and CEO of Mystery Vibe. And strap in, or strap on, depending on who you are, and let's talk about sex. Episode 321, featuring Sam, the founder of Mystery Vibe, starts right now. It is the second busiest time of the year for us after the whole Black Friday, Cyber Monday uh, weekend. That's definitely the biggest by far. Like I would say that for four or five days generally is equal to or more than our entire February sales. <laughs> wow. So people giving each other vibrators and stuff for Christmas? Yeah, Christmas and the whole holiday season. Is it, gifting is a really big part of vibrator sales and generally how vibrators get out there. And normally from a man to a woman, that's the most common scenario. Really? That's a yeah. little bit more, is a little bit more progressive of men than I was willing to give them credit for. But that's, that makes me feel good because I think, I think it shows that men might be loosening up a little bit more. Am I way off base here? And uh, it, it depends. So for example, uh, generally we see it for couples in a relationship. Uh, it's obviously not something, you know, you would gift on your first date. Um, <laughs> That'd be a bold you move. Might, you, you might, but yeah, it would be a bold move. But uh, what we see is couples generally, you know, been together for a while and they want to spice things up. And, and the reason vibrators make such a good gift is it, it's obviously a nice present, but it shows that you really care about your partner and the enjoyment is together. So let's say you give her a, a perfume or, or, or a gadget, you know, like a smartwatch. Sure. It's, it, it's great, but then she will use it on her own, right? Whereas you buy a vibrator, it's very likely that you will have playtime, sex, you know, intimacy, all of that stuff, which is often pushed to the back when you're busy being in a relationship for a long time. And especially if you have kids in the house, 
it, it gets difficult to have intimacy. So, so it's a really good way to bring the mystery back in the bedroom, which is basically what we do, mystery, you know, helping couples reconnect. That's a perfect segue. And uh, you, ha- you have an advanced degree also in segues, apparently, because <laughs> this is Dr. Saham Rukshit who is the CEO and founder of Mystery Vibe and someone I am thrilled to meet because I've looked into your products. They look really, really cool. And I found based on the the limited amount, this is our first time meeting and talking, but based on what I've looked at, it seems like you're interested in this from a really philosophical perspective where you want to help people overcome either stagnation in their marriage or relationships, or, you know, they're dealing with major life changes their birth of a child, going through menopause, things like that. I feel like our sexual health is frequently either undervalued or ignored, or it's a point of embarrassment. Can you take me through sort of the philosophy of Mystery Vibe and how you came to find found it? I would say, so we borrowed the idea from Esther Perel. It's a very famous relationship uh, coach and speaker in New York. And she, uh, she gave a very well watched TED Talk in 2012. And it said, if you want to keep a long-term relationship exciting, make sure you keep that mystery in the bedroom. Mm. And, and that's what inspired us to come up with this name. The, and you're absolutely spot on. The main focus is help couples post major life events get back into having fun in the bedroom. Uh, childbirth is a very easy example to understand you have a kid, it's a great happy event, but you also most of the time. I mean, certainly. I mean, I have one, and yeah, it's 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 great when it's not uh, you know all nappy changing and crying <laughs> at night. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and some, I'll tell you this. I, I always say this about my own kids. I, I teach boot camp for new dads, so I talk to a lot of expecting dads about what to expect, so so to speak. Not to borrow the title of that book. But I, I tell them lots of things, but I always say my kids are so sweet and so funny and so cute and so deeply annoying because <laughs> <laughs> they end up taking uh, so much of your bandwidth in your mind that it's easy to push a lot of things aside. Yeah, definitely. And, and sex being one of them. And, and, and also even before intimacy is how do you recover from pain, the pain from childbirth, pain from sure. tears, scars, et cetera. So, so that's just one example of a live event and menopause, inevitable for every woman at say 50, 55, the dryness, the lack of arousal, the pain again, how do you get over those? How do you have sex again? Or surgery, you know, especially uh, cancer related stuff, prostate mm-hmm. cancer, very common in men. How do you recover from that? Uh, and when I say recover is how do you recover your intimacy? Yeah. Uh, or say chemotherapy or, or depression. Oh, there's so many things. Um, something as simple as diabetes, heart disease. Yeah, billions of people have it and it affects your um, sexual health. So at a very high level, that was the idea is, can we create devices with our knowledge? So our background is defense engineering and biometrics. So, so my PhD was in uh, iris recognition. Building. Oh really? This is this is twenty years ago, really long time ago. It's so, it's, uh, it's come a long way since then, though, hasn't it? It has. Now everybody looks at their phone and you know makes payments. That's biometrics for you. But twenty years ago, <laughs> no one even wanted to touch it because they're like, "Oh, you're gonna spy on us." There was a massive fear 
of biometrics when I was well, doing my research. I, I think cultural evolution is an interesting thing. And it's one of those things, once you sort of accept a certain level, you become more willing to accept the next level and then the next level and the next level. But when you're starting out, it feels like very much a violation. And now it's just a part of our lives. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I'm not here to assign value to it, but that seems to be the trend of the way things go. True. And then it's both good or good and bad. Sure. Like I'm sure 20 years ago, if somebody told you that if you sign up to Facebook, they'll know every last detail of your life, you know, you probably wouldn't. But now well, <laughs> people knowingly sign up and they're like, well, you know, it's fine. Uh, well, and, and, now, and now you volunteer this information. It's like, oh, you want photos of me and all my friends? Let me tag those for you. Perfect. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I think, um, no, you're right. I, I think, but on the, on the flip side, sexual health has come a long way from, you know, oh my God, we can't talk about that at all to, you know, let's very openly talk about issues, how we can find solutions, uh, how we can have fun, you know, and talking about having fun, not being taboo. So um, I, th- I think, you know, it's, it's always both good and bad um, with everything that happens uh, in terms of opening. Agreed. Uh, and it, it's kind of what you do with this new paradigm is where you can assign value. But have you ever seen the movie? I think it came out in 2009. It's called I Love You, Man. Okay, it's one of my favorite movies. It's Paul Rudd, Jason Segel. It's, it's, they call it a bromantic comedy because it's about um, a guy who has a hard time making male friends as an adult. And so he finally does. And he goes to this guy's apartment and, or I guess his garage behind his house. And he's sitting in this chair right next to it is a bong and then some lotion and a bunch of condoms. And he goes, what's going on over there? He goes, oh, this is where I jerk off. This is my jerk off station. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a funny moment because first of all, he's so bluntly honest about it. But secondly, it's funny because Paul Rudd has taken aback. No one has ever, like he doesn't have male friends. So he's like, Jason Siegel goes, you don't talk about masturbating with your friends. He's like, dudes masturbate. So do chicks. What's the big deal? And sort of the, the openness and the bluntness about that is refreshing in a lot of ways because Paul Rudd's character is so repressed. It's like no one's even thought to ask. And so that movie came out in 2009. I don't think that scene is nearly as shocking now as it probably was then. Definitely. And, yeah. and so you, you talking about this increased openness, this increased talk about our sexual health, Jason Siegel also says in that movie, he's like, sex is something we think about on maybe a minute to minute basis, depending on where you sort of are in a headspace. And yet we're not supposed to talk about it, which is why if you hang out with me and you're in a relationship, I'm probably going to ask you how much you guys are doing. Just that's, that's part yeah. of what I like to do. And so going from, you mentioned you were in defense, which it seems like all the best stuff always comes out of NASA or defense, at least innovation wise. What was the path like going from defense to sexual health? So the uh, overall stuff that I did for my PhD and what I do now is pretty similar, which is underst- working with doctors, understanding human anatomy and building sure. devices, right? So yeah, you're just in a different part of the body, body now, right? Exactly. I'm in a different part of the body. So n- not much has changed because uh, back then I used to work with eye doctors, understand how eyes work and build camera and recognition systems to understand uh, to match people. So in, in a way, it's pretty much the same. So now we work with urologists, OBGYNs, uh, nurses, you know, and they tell us, okay, these are the biggest problems. Okay, like give you a real example. Arousal before intercourse for perimenopause and menopausal women. 
very specific tenure. How do you get aroused? How do you get wet to have penetrative sex? Big topic. Lots of people have this issue. How do you solve it? Right. So, so that that is typically how a uh, how a product design starts for us, and then then we say, okay, um, if we were solving it through vibration, which is what you know our bread and butter, yeah. uh, which is applying precise precise vibrations exactly where you need, what what type of vibrations need to be delivered, where they need to be delivered, how etc. So then we start building products which bend, adapt, take the shape of various body parts. And, and then trial, test, et cetera. And then it normally takes a few iterations. And by iterations, I mean like each iteration is six to nine months. So oh, some geez, of the product really? is like three years, four years. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a very slow process. Well, the, uh, so the, that's, the, that's typically what we do, yeah. The, the customization um, of these products, and by the way, I will put a link to your site on here. Um, as you watch how they bend and how they're customizable, is really something. And, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. So we're recording this actually on Valentine's Day, which is weirdly apropos, but we were over to a friend's house and my wife and her friend are about the same height, but my wife says she's all torso. And so our friend has longer legs, but they're the same height. You look at these two women and you go, oh, cool. But then you see like where their waists are. You go, wow, that's way, that's different. And so if you think about the female anatomy, it stands to reason that Every woman is going to have a slightly different biological or anatomical makeup, I, I would suspect yep. is more appropriate. The points, the articulation points, that's an interesting puzzle to solve and not something I've heard much about. Yes. And so when we first started, and then this is why we love talking to doctors and nurses and ask them, what do you currently tell your patients? What do you tell them to do? And in most cases, it's about using fingers, Right. You know, whether it's pain, massage the fingers, if it's prostate, urologists use fingers to exam. So fingers are kind of the core. So our first product, Crescendo, it's literally two fingers wide and same as the thickness of finger. And it has the bends like a finger. So you can oh, yeah. and reach and stimulate the area that you need. So we always try to recreate what works in real life and make it a bit better through technology. Yeah, so that's why they're all so anat- anatomically designed. Um, and, and, ah. and just to talk about the variances, you're right, you know, in terms of female anatomy, there's quite a lot of uh, variation. But what is more complex is male anatomy, because mm. even for the same person, the penis changes from flaccid to erect significantly. So, sure. you know, so, so obviously different people, different women have different vaginas, that's fair enough. But for one, one woman, that's fixed, right? Where the G-spot is, where the clit is, all of that is fixed. Whereas for men, and which is why very few products exist for penises. Oh, good very point. Difficult, very difficult to design for penises. Yeah, unless, unless it's like a vagina facsimile or something, right? Unless it's like a sleeve, right? Because uh, yeah, that is true. Um, but you'll see even then, uh, what is tight for one penis will be loose for another. Oh, sure. So, yeah, yeah. So because, because it's fixed, and this is the problem with anything that's fixed. So Tenuto, which is our penis device, is we had to come up with a composite of materials which uses resin, polycarbonate, different types of plastic. It's a mixture of different percentages, which we had to keep on trying. And then we had to infuse moisture into it before overmolding to a certain amount. And again, we had to try so many things to make it such a flexible material that it will always stretch and it will always come back and will always 
constrict the blood flow without constricting the ejaculation. Yeah, so there is a gap. So you, can so you have to thread a real specific needle there pressure-wise. Yeah, exactly. And then it creates direction, it holds it, and it's comfortable, and it lets you come, which means if you're trying to get pregnant, then you still can, which you can't with a cock ring, for example. It, it just is very complex, which is why it takes years and years and years of trial. So Tenuta took maybe four years in the lab before wow. it came out. So the fact that you have a PhD and you've spent a lot of time talking to doctors and anatomy, that's one challenge. But a different challenge is now you have to become an expert in materials. Was that challenge difficult for you or was it something you took to pretty easily and right away? Uh, no. So my specialization is electronics. This is very much on the electronics and and also just bringing the medical and the engineering together so we have a five person team in the r&d side and and that's it it's it's really that small but that is all we need to have all the right people in materials in industrial design in electronics in uh you know even circuits so for example we had to design our own pcb because the define that for me you had to uh, define your own what printed circuit board okay So what it means is instead of having, imagine wires to connect the vibrating motors to the battery, right? Yeah. We built this flexible circuit, which is printed like copper on PCB material, which weaves through the hinges. So no matter how you bend it, it will never break. Whereas if it's a wire, the minute you bend it, it will break. Um, sure. I, I mean, I, as a podcaster, I have any number of wires here. And I know if I, if I wrap my cords incorrectly, so to speak, then I'm going to wreck them and I'm going to degrade the quality. So I could see where that would be a problem because you have these points of articulation in these devices that you design. Wow, that's what a crazy problem to have to unpack. And, and there's more. So um, Crescendo has six motors uh, because what we wanted to do is create a flow, basically uh, what we do is precisely deliver vibration to recreate as if you're massaging that area because that then helps with blood flow and blood flow helps with pain relief, erection, etc. Now, the easiest way to create a flow is by having multiple motors in sequence. So we have lots of motors and then you can create whatever flow you want and, and it's fully customizable. But in order for the motors to not cancel each other because there's so many, we had to write a massive firmware so that all the motors, you know, work in sync with each other. And yet the user can, with the app, set each motor to do whatever they want by themselves. So it, it was this challenge that it's not preset. Oh, obviously we do have some, you know, presets that you can use, but we had to make it so that no matter what you create, it will still not go crazy and start making noise and, you know, shuddering. <laughs> Right. Just chatter your teeth to death, right? Like, yeah. Wow, that's that's remarkable. And in addition to all this, you have to make it look aesthetically uh, appealing. You have to make it look pleasing. It can't look like this terrifying sort of robot. Um, yeah. But, yeah. you know, it, it's got to look some, look like something that you actually want to interact with sexually. What, what an unusual set of challenges that in many ways feel like they're in opposition to each other. So Yeah, and then that point is so important. So uh, when we first started, we thought, okay, you know, we are going to obviously make these devices with doctors and they'll be medic. They're all FDA class two devices. They're proper medical devices. But what we didn't want to do is make them look clinical. 
So we wanted to make them look pretty, sexy, and we wanted people to think of them as sex toys because we want people to have fun. You know, toys are for fun. You don't sure. ever go and buy a clinical device for fun, right? You're like, okay, fine, I have a problem. I need to solve it. I need to buy a clinical device. Um, but that's really not what we are trying to achieve. Well, and particularly when it comes to sex, there's like the playful element is super important there because it's like, I'm having a sexual problem. I need a clinical device. No, that's not how you're going to get where you need to be mentally in the least. Correct. So that's why from the beginning we said, okay, we're going to build a brand to be very much about sex and pleasure and, you know, people having fun. And then the foundation is medical but we don't have to, like, you don't really see much medical on our website. There is some stuff about it in our About Us page. But generally, sure. we say, hey, look, do you want to have better erection? Do you want to have better sex? Do you want to have, uh, you know, more uh, intimacy? That's what we talk about rather than, you know, if you have dryness and pain, this is the solution for you. We, we, we talk about those, like, in medical papers. Doctors talk about that to their patients about our devices. But we try to talk about how can you have more fun? Well, I, I will say when you go around on your website and you click on any product, there's you can go to a section on your website where there's a bunch of suggestions for how you can use this. And it Play comes page. with it comes with some how how shall I put this? The drawings are like they tell you what you need to know and you can you can see it, but they are sort of discreet. And I'm curious from a brand perspective, how do you cultivate the, the image that you're looking for, which is like, hey, this can really help and, and this can spice things up without being super salacious about it yeah. um, or, or without being like too porny, because I know that's going to be off-putting for some people. So how, how did you find the right lane brand-wise for so, you all? So for, the, for that, uh, and then the whole thing, we, we literally had to do everything in-house. So every drawing you see is hand-drawn by our uh, creative designer. No kidding. Uh, wow, they're great. So, so he uh, paints them on paper, then he digitizes them. And then, you know, we add, I mean, he then adds the rest of the stuff on, 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 on Photoshop or Illustrator, whatever he uses. Sure. But everything is hand, hand drawn. Um, <laughs> That's then, amazing. So the beauty of this is when we launched our website and we applied for all the payment systems, which, you know, you, you need Apple Pay, Google Pay, PayPal, Amex, then uh, I remember having this conversation with Apple Pay. They said, oh, you can't, and this is many years ago, you can't use Apple Pay, it's an adult site. And I said, "Mm, this is a medical device. You know, this is our FDA registration um, and people can buy it for, you know, medical or pleasure, that's the truth. And he said, oh no, I don't have anything against your device, but you have this page which has porn. (laughs) So I said, oh, this is not porn. It's a hand-drawn painting. And they specifically have this exclusion and say, if it's a painting, even if it's nude, it's wow. allowed. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was like, look, this is an actual painting. These are all paintings. A person painted these. And he's like, okay, Did fine. you have to like get on a Zoom and like be like, hey? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we have um, pictures of him painting them. So, uh, <laughs> so this is, you know, I, I think now it's not that bad anymore, but this is like, when did we start the website? Maybe five years ago. And and uh, I remember having this conversation and they said, okay, you know, it is paintings. It's fine. You guys are okay now. Uh, so, so we've had all the payment <laughs> providers since day one, luckily. I always, from the beginning, I wanted it to be a very normal side, a very... Uh, but without being 
shy about it. We want people to know exactly how to use it, make it really easy. So again, this is how you wear, use it. This is how you have sex. Uh, but at the same time, we can't host you know proper adult videos on it. So so it was the middle ground. You know, is use art to explain. In in a lot of ways, your job is tricky because you you almost have to remember who you're talking to and how you're talking about this. Because on one hand, this is a medical device. Then when you're talking to someone else, oh no, see, these are paintings. This is, this is you know, the art loophole. And then with other people, people presumably you're trying to get to buy, you go, no, this is for pleasure. This is going to make you have better sex. You're going to have better orgasms. You're going to have to do that. But you have to remember which, which lane you're in as you have these conversations. Is that ever a challenge for you? I, I think that is the fun bit of sex is... Uh, and this is true in real life, you know, like I, I grew up in an Irish Catholic school, yet um, I remember it was all boys school. I remember, you know, we were probably the most well-versed kids in our area who knew how to find good quality porn. Well, necessity is the mother of uh, invention, right? Exactly. So I think it's just something you do day to day is when, when you're navigating sex, uh, well, it's talking about it with different family members, different friends. You know, how do you approach, you know, people you want to date? You say things in a different way. You know, like I have friends, uh, especially European friends, who will very openly talk about their open relationships. You know, oh, sure. Somebody. Like polyamory, that kind of thing? Yeah, that'd be like, you know, just as a matter of fact. Sure. Um, whereas if I talk about that to, say, my friends in Dubai, they'll totally freak out. (laughs) (laughs) So so I have to, even in real life, I have to be careful uh, because for me, all of this is like, yeah, normal, you know, no big deal, you know, but I still have to be careful what I say where and how. Yeah. What an interesting problem to have because yeah, people tend to be, no matter who they are, well, maybe if you're a European in a, in an open relationship, you don't have to be quite so cagey um, and you can lean into who you are in in the fullest way possible. But I'll tell you a brief story. I'm sure she'll be thrilled that I'm telling this here. But my my wife, when we were in college, used to work for a company called Slumber Parties. And that's basically like an MLM, but for sex toys. And so, you know, the products, some were good, some were not quite as good. You know, depending on the company, you'll get varying quality. But the way the parties worked was, you know, these women would get their girlfriends all together and then she would you know, not demonstrate, but like bring out some products and show them around. And then when they were making their orders, they'd go into a separate room and do that. So they didn't have to order things in front of other people. Now, my question to you is when you are talking to a new customer or even even meeting a new friend, how do you typically broach the subject of what you do? And how, how is that received with the people you're talking to? Oh, before that, I was going to say, I think you're talking about uh, what we know here as fuckerware parties. <laughs> you call them fuckerware parties? Yeah. That's amazing. Wait, where are you even? London. Okay. <laughs> that, that feels very British. The way, the way British people can just drop fuck and cunt and twat into conversation. <laughs> yeah, like Ricky Gervais. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, any British person sort of has uh, good utility for uh, for profanity in a way that Americans have yet to catch up to. Yeah, we don't take it seriously. That's yeah. and that's what it should be because you you yeah. take away some of the power of the sting of the invective <laughs> that these words can be used for. 
it's never used in anger. That's why it's always used in, you know, as a as a superlative. It's like, you know, yeah, or like, or if if you're a guy, I mean, and typically like the word cunt or the word twat is frequently used to describe other men. Um, when when you're in England, am I right about that? Oh yeah, you'd never call a woman that. No, like, <laughs> but but, uh, but I, I and I love the way your whole demeanor changed with that. That was great. You're it, like, it, oh, you'd never call a woman that. That's no, terrible. In England, we're very gentlemen, but uh, but a cunt is more used by our in Ireland as like a you know very friendly term because Irish are one level higher up in their vocabulary than English. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so um, sorry, sorry, you Tupperware saying, parties, um, my God, how do we, uh, I'm stealing. Uh, fuck, oh, yeah, it's a t- you know, like it's literally t- Tupperware for fucking. It's very, <laughs> you know, literal. Perfect. Um, okay, so, so it, uh, it so... sounds like you live in a place that's pretty progressive here, at least in terms of when I have these conversations, I someone will invariably like clutch their pearls and get freaked out about it. Um, yeah, but, but no, I, I'm very lucky. I live in London, and London is literally the most uh, cosmopolitan city in the world. You know, like. 75% of Londoners, and it's 10 million people, it's a big city, 75% of them were not born here. They were they're from somewhere in the world, right? right. Um, and, and if you're an international person who has managed to move millions of miles away from home, you're probably not very conservative in your mindset. You're very- <laughs> Probably liberal. not. You know, it's very unlikely. So that's why here, like, no one cares about what you want to do, do whatever you want, really you know each to their own um but uh what i at least pre-covid what i used to do a lot is go to conferences and exhibitions and that's when these conversations happen a lot you know let's say i'm standing at ces in vegas (laughs) and it's electronic show and okay fine you know it's very obvious what we do people would come up saying so i have a question okay tell me i'm trying to get my wife to have a threesome what do i do (laughs) this is a complicated question but i'll give you i'll give you so one of my goals with uh, content that we write is make it very actionable and it's not like i wouldn't say something vague like oh you know you need to have a chat that's very vague because the question is how do i have a chat right so we would what we do both me me as a person if i'm meeting someone and giving answers or as a website what we do is we'll say hey look what's the topic you want to talk about okay fine you want to approach this topic of threesome with your partner okay great first thing you do is find a really well-written article in a very respected newspaper because that legitimizes this topic instantly right so let's say uh, you find that new york times has done an article recently on threesomes or bbc or whatever right it has to be it can't be playboy because even if playboy is great it doesn't have the same level of seriousness that bbc or new york times have so then you read this like okay fine this is what i'm kind of uh, it's along my lines of thinking share it with your partner by you know message it tap it whatever and say hey look found this interesting article and that's it don't say anything else don't say it's cool don't say it's weird just say it's interesting okay see what they say they'll have some ah, yes test the waters so it's like a test balloon yeah. where you go exactly. oh okay like i can i can sort of calibrate like my next step based on how they react to this and and maybe you know if they exactly. react in horror then perhaps the, yeah, the opportunity then, is not then there then you just go along with it saying oh yeah i thought the same <laughs> yeah if 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 she's like oh my god who does this this is bad and and you're like yeah you're right this is terrible but she might say oh this is very cool and he's like oh should we check out more things 
And that's when, you know, you can, and then after that, it's much easier. So what we try to do both in terms of content, like even, you know, we write content like, uh, let's say you want to spice things, on, uh, spice things up in the bedroom and you have a Netflix for a year, you know, after you had a kid and you're thinking, okay, how do I make my first sex night special or how do I make it happen? We have a whole article which goes step by step, you know, like step one, uh, learn about yours. And then it's aimed at both, you know, women and men. It's like, learn about your body, you know, play with yourself, forget about your partner for now. Sure. Um, you know, do that, see what works. Step two, you know, massage each other. It's just normal and, and then might get erotic. Step three is um, masturbate in front of each other or each other, yeah? And step mm-hmm. four, you know, lots of foreplay and, and eventually when you're ready to have penetrative sex, then go for it. And then step five could be, you know, increase the kinkiness to a next level. So all our stuff that we write, we at least we try to make it really step-by-step, really simple because the biggest barrier to that mystery in the bedroom is not being able to make the first step, have the conversation and do that. When, and that's when you get stuck in a rut. You know, it's like, oh, it's, yeah. like, oh, it's been three months, six months, nine months. I'm not ready. I'm, I'm, and it, every day you lose more confidence. Like, oh, oh yeah. really and then it becomes a whole thing. Like, yeah, it- then it's in your head to say, I better not do it because it's just going to be bad. You know, because the whole pressure is on how quickly can you get erect and deliver sex that's that's not what it should be right right if you're going to have intimacy for an hour you might have sex for five minutes but if you leave that for the last five minutes then you have no pressure yeah so, just just be it's, it's about being with each other it's about connecting it's because exactly. so, so i'll tell you this when you are parenting there is so much to do and i mean i talk about you know i i, I have a very successful marriage with my wife and we both work really hard at it and it also feels in many ways effortless, but we take on a lot of different roles. So there's, you know, your business partners, number, not number one, but one of the things you are is business partners. Another is your parents. Another is your roommates and another is sexual partners. And it's easy to get bogged down in the other three roles and neglect the fourth. But I argue it's like the fourth one that makes the other three in a lot of ways easier. There's a very famous uh, saying, I don't know, statistics, it's like uh, 90% of, no, only 10% of a relationship is sex, okay? And then you have lots of other things, like you said, but yeah. 90% of problems arise from the lack of it. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. It's like the it's like the old 80-20 rule, but... Uh... Yeah, it's, it's probably, you know what, it probably is 2%. If you think of the number of hours sure. in a month and the number of hours you would have sex, it's probably like 2%. It's really small. And this is the thing. You know, every, everyone thinks everyone else is having a lot more sex. No one is. And uh, one, one, that's sad. But two, on you know, flipping it around, people shouldn't feel that there's anything wrong with them. You know, no. they can do something to make it better, but it doesn't mean that they're in any way uh, inferior to other couples in terms of number of sex quality hours or whatever, right? Most people no. don't have much sex. Well, and some, I mean, most people are full of shit too. I mean, think about when you're in high school, there were people who bragged that they were having sex all the time and you go, no, you weren't. Like, you, you mean the virgins. <laughs> you, you, you have time and perspective now. The people who were actually having sex, I found this, this is why- They would I'm not just, talk about it. No, no, they yeah. were doing it kind of under the radar because yeah. if you could verify it, man, that, that brought way too much heat. Yeah. 
So it, this is why I'm suspicious of like gurus, like real estate gurus or like ha- people who flip houses for a living. You know, they're like, I have the secret to house flipping. It's like bullshit. If you had the secret, you wouldn't tell anyone like you'd just be flipping houses and then spend all your time on your yacht. Not in this shitty airport hotel conference room. Right. Yeah. So or on okay. Instagram, giving talks, yeah. <laughs> selling courses. <laughs> so, okay. Here's, here's a question for you. I got into podcasting. And I've been at this show now for, I'm coming up on eight years here. And I got into podcasting because I love it. I now produce six other shows in addition to my own. So people will frequently ask me, what are my podcast recommendations? And I go, are you shitting me? Like at the end of a day, I have spent so much time with podcasts. Kind of the last thing I want to do is spend more time with podcasts. Now you can see what this question is leading into. You spend your professional career and your life talking and thinking and writing about sex and sex toys and all the attendant sort of things that come with that. Does it ever burn you out? And does that ever make you resentful of sex? Or do you have sort of a a good appetite for this still? Sometimes I feel like um, I don't do enough sex things in my day to day. What I mean by that is, you know, it's, and I'm sure you have the same running a business is, still 80% admin and you know like fundraising and hiring and planning talking to people like me well this is the fun bit okay good now I'm actually getting to talk about sex and you know the stuff that I care about whereas let's say fundraising do you think any founder ever starts a company to fundraise (laughs) If, if they do I'd be very sad right so but you know you have to do it all the admin around it the I don't know, accounting, payroll, HR. Exactly. So I would say if I could, I would definitely do more sex related stuff like, you know, product research, uh, customer interaction, doctor interaction, patient interaction, talking about it, you know, on podcast, talking to journalists, getting more words out there saying, hey, look, this is the kind of articles that you can share with your partner. That's what I want to do. You know, I do probably maybe, okay, maybe 30% of my time. Sure. Uh, but I want to do that 60% of my time. So I would say as of yet, I feel like I'm not doing enough, the real core meaty stuff. Uh, okay. So I definitely am on the, still on the other end where sure. I'm not saturated. I'm under, under saturated. Well, I, I always talk about how so much, uh, because in addition to podcasting, I do PR and people think of PR sometimes as being glamorous, you know, going to restaurant openings and talking to reporters and, doing whatever, right? The, the, the glamorous part that Samantha on Sex and the City did. And so little of it is that, you know, it's it's building media lists and it, it's just down in the trenches stuff. So what you're describing makes good sense to me because I, I think about this with brewing too, because I have friends who, uh, who own a brewery and people think of, you know, dropping hops, you know, into the mash tun, you know, you're up on a brew deck. It's really cool. When really most of it's just like cleaning, you know, you're, you're just you're mopping and you're, you're spraying down surfaces. You're trying to not let dust and things get into your brew. So to do the thing you want to do and do the thing you're passionate about, there's this whole wall of tasks that you have to do in order to get to, you call it 30%, which all things considered, not a terrible ratio. Oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And I think I got to this ratio after all these years because every year, you know, I try to upload a few more things off my plate. So I can do yeah. a few more of the 
the core stuff. I, I think when I started, I was doing like 5%. Sure, yeah. <laughs> which is ridiculous. Like you really, all I want to do is design products, right? And talk to users and make it better. That's it. You know, that's the summary of all I want to do. So yeah, I think once I get to, once I cross the 50% mark, I'll be very happy. That'll be good. Well, I, I hope um, it doesn't burn you out. You know, like um, sometimes you'll talk to, and I mean, I've thrown a lot of examples at you here, but like, you know, record store guys can sometimes get a little bit calloused about, you know, giving music recommendations or, you know, someone will come in and they go, oh, you're listening to that. I, you know, I stopped being into that five years ago. I'm hoping because sex is so fun and sex is great. And I mean, sex toys, if, if you're listening to this and you don't have any interaction with them, like in any way, you should really get on that because it's phenomenal. Like I, I liked what you said early on in this episode about like gift giving, because what that becomes is an invitation. And, and all of a sudden there's, there's like risk involved. There's like stakes and you go, Oh my God, are we actually going to use this thing together? That is thrilling. What, what kind of feedback do you get from users about that kind of very, um, grateful that's the you know the common denominator i find in most of the, sadly a lot of people you know very happy they never contact us because you know it's quite a shy thing but those who do like i've had feedback from 65 year olds who've been married for 35 years no 45 years you know yeah. and they're like oh we feel like young lovers again <laughs> because because but the thing is the credit is to them one of the couple i don't remember whether it was husband or the wife took that jump of you know we're going to buy something sexy bring it into the bedroom and see what happens and that is a major step yeah but once that step happens then it opens the floodgate and a very happy floodgate where lots of things can happen and and the thing is i think a big part of where the conversation needs to be is how do you add life to years as you age and, and aging doesn't mean you're 90. Aging could be like, you know, you're 45. That's still aging compared to, say, when you're 21. Sure. Like I, I remember when I was 21, and if someone was 45, I'd be like, oh, my God, how old are you? <laughs> right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember thinking the same thing. And I just turned 40 last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm 40 now. So uh, for me, it's like, okay, 45, nothing. For me, for me now, say my granny, who is 98, okay, that's really old. Like, okay. You know, but I'm sure to 85 year old, hey, that's not that old. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all rel- relative. But what I, what I mean by uh, adding a life to years is um, I think till now or, or till recently, people have been talking about how do you prolong the number of years you live, right? You know, maybe 100 years ago, we used to live to 60. Mm-hmm. Now we live to maybe 90, right? Maybe 500 years ago, you'd live only to 35, right? Right. So, significant uh, improvements. However, what people don't yet talk about is how can you be super happy, excited, jumping around at 90? They're like, oh, you live till 90. That's it. You know, that's good. But I'm like, what if I'm in bed for the last 10 years? Is that really that good? So it's not just adding life to years, it's adding years to life. And a big part of that is sexual health. Because, you know, when, when you retire, let's say you're 65, you have time and you have money you might as well enjoy it. It's the first time in your life where you have time and money and a lot of it, right? And you've worked hard for it. So you might as well enjoy it. You, you can't just think, oh, that's it. This is my, this is the end of my life. No one dies. That's it. Well, thankfully, the average age 
is in 65 when people die these days. So you've got maybe 30 years, which is, you know, as much time as you had in your relationship. So you have probably half of your relationship time left. Yeah. So why not get freaky? Like, just like get, get down on each other, man. Like get freaky because if you're not, wow, what an opportunity missed. I'm with you. Exactly. Like, what are you going to do when you're 65 sitting in your beautiful house together and you have all the time in the world? Yeah. Get together and explore. Like, just try, try something new. Do something fun. Yeah. My wife and I, one of the things we do is, um, and this is not even a sexual thing, but we tend to change up our looks quite a bit. So like I grew the beard again just because I hadn't had one in a while. I changed up my hairstyle. And so just make it interesting. And I think that really shows a lot of care for your partner too, mm-hmm. where it's like, particularly, you know, if you go to mystery vibe and you pick up something it's like, here, I thought you might enjoy this, or I thought this might be something that we would enjoy together, man. It shows you're thinking about them in a really caring way. And that's just, that's just a beautiful expression. I have a really uh, funny reverse one. So men don't like women buying toys for them generally. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Interesting. And, and the reason is uh, they feel like they're inadequate. Uh, so let's say not like 90% of male toys are bought by men for themselves. Yeah. Whereas like 60, 70% of female toys are bought by men as gifts huh. because women appreciate it when they're given a nice gift of a sex toy whereas men think is my penis not working oh it's like an accusation yeah like why are you giving me a cock ring um so <laughs> when we when we when we thought like because we have uh, a, a part of you know big part of the product design is how do you introduce it into the bedroom because if you make a great product and no one can uh, talk about it and no one wants to use it, then it's not going to get anywhere. So uh, Tenuto, the front bit has three markers and it is in this shape. Yeah. And it is yeah. exactly the shape of the baby at yeah, the entrance to the vagina. Uh-huh. Right? So it gives you a 360 vibration of the labia and 90% of women need uh, clitoral and external stimulation to have an orgasm. You know, only 10% is from G-spot alone. So we created this um, selling point for women who want to buy it for their men saying, hey, look, you're buying a toy that you're going to fit on his penis. So it's for your labia. So you're like, hey, look, I bought huh. this toy for me and it just sits on your penis and you're going to get some amazing vibrations and you know that would be great for you, but really it's for me. Okay. And then they're like, oh, that's very really cool. There's so much psychology. I mean, sex, this is the thing I never get bored of is so there's so much psychology in sex. It is fascinating and never stops, never ceases to amaze me. That, God, what a fascinating insight. Okay, so um, last question. You say each one of these takes like three or four years of development. Do you have something in the pipeline uh, that's oh, somewhere along so the process? In the pipeline. <laughs> so we're eight years old now um, and we have three products which are actually you know, in people's hands, but we have four products which we've been working on for years, which will come out in the, it's some this year. So we're making one which is uh, adaptable labia vulva vibrator. It's very much a, like an arousal creator uh, for women. Then we are creating a very compact uh, erection device in a uh, cock ring, but again, very stretchy, very, but very compact, like super small. And then we're creating one which is a preventative device, which is which someone can use themselves to reach their prostate and simulate their prostate uh, and obviously great for prostate massage and fun 
but equally great for stimulating prostate to reduce the chances of cancer. Um, nice. So those three are coming out in the next 12 months. Cool. All right. Well, God, that's exciting. We'll keep our eye on it. And now is the time on the show when we do plugs. So Sam, if you would tell people where they can find Mystery Vibe, find you, anything you want to plug, please do it now. They'll find everything on our website, mysteryvibe.com, whether it's all the content we write in our blog, all our products, the sexy pictures on our play page, guides on how to start the conversation. Everything's there on our website. Really simple. And it's very easy to navigate. I will have a link to Mystery Vibe. That is at johnofalltrades.us, J-O-N of all trades.us, also in the show notes. So when you're listening on any podcatcher, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Audible, Spotify, wherever you get your pods, you can find that in the show notes. So Sam, this was an enormous pleasure, just terrific insight and a lot of fun. I mean, I haven't had too many shows on here about sex. I got to start doing more because the more we break down the cultural taboo around it, I think the better off we'll all be. So I wish you nothing but continued success. Thank you so much for having me. Oh man, that was a fun chat, wasn't it? Episode 321 has come to a close with Dr. Sam Rockshit. Thank you so much, Sam, for being on the show and sharing your amazing journey, terrific products with me and with this delightful audience. Find links to everything in the show notes. That's on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get pods and on the companion blog piece, johnofalltrades.us. Our sponsor is 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E.es. Anything you're doing online, 4Degrees can help you do it better. You're doing an email campaign, social media marketing, online advertising, building a website, trying to reach the people who need to hear your message most. Four Degrees knows where those people are and can create a message that will resonate with them. So hit them up. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. With all manner of communications and PR activities, as well as podcast production. So... No matter what stage you're at, whether you have a podcast or you're thinking of starting one, I can help you get it on wheels, make sure it sounds great and it's optimized. D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. Check me out on social, J-O-A-T-Pod is the handle. That's Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. Episode previews go up on Monday. That's Facebook only. New episodes drop on Wednesday. I'm out of here for this week. What a fun episode we had. I got another good one coming at you next week. The new year is off to a great start. Love bringing you this content. Thank you for letting me be a part of your life. And until I hear you again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.